G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. On a Wednesday, good to be able to get a reflection on what's going on around the world and especially in relation to the people of God in Israel. And Ron Ross has been scouring the headlines and coming up with all the goodies. Hi Ron, welcome back to 2020. Good morning Neil. Hey, Ron, we like to touch on these headlines each week. They are important. Lots of listeners want to know what's going on in the Middle East more broadly, but more specifically around what's happening in Israel. Let's get a focus on the headline where Palestinian leaders condemn the Middle East Peace Summit. What's this one about? Israel's hosting of this week's Negev Summit with four Arab countries and the United States is being described by leading media outlets as an historic meeting and a major realignment of Middle Eastern powers determined to prevent Iran from obtaining a nuclear weapon. But while efforts to promote Israeli-Palestinian dialogue will also be on the agenda, the Palestinian Authority government has warned the leaders of the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Egypt and Morocco that Jerusalem is using this conference as a way to avoid dealing with the Palestinian issue. For its part, the U.S.-designated Hamas terrorist group, which rules the Gaza Strip, has been even blunter in its rejection of the summit. A Hamas spokesman in Gaza said it rejects all forms of normalization with Israel and called on Arab countries that signed agreements with the Jewish state to reconsider. Honest reporting says the condemnation of a conference aimed at promoting regional stability and furthering the cause of peace is the latest example of a chronic Palestinian refusal to drop maximalist positions that serve to function as a prelude to negotiations with Israel. The two-day conference in Israel's Negev region was made possible by the Abraham Accords, a series of U.S.-brokered normalization agreements that forged formal diplomatic relations between Israel, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Sudan, as well as Morocco. Ron, another headline. The Jerusalem police chief says slain police who killed Hadera terrorists prevented mass murder. Police Chief Kobe Shabtai credited the off-duty border policeman who killed two terrorists with preventing a mass murder. Several border police officers were in the vicinity of the bus stop that was the target of terrorist cousins Ibrahim and Eman Agbara, Israeli Arabs from Umm al-Fam. Two 19-year-old off-duty officers, Corporals Yazan Fala and Shirel Abukrat, were shot as they ran towards the fire. Critically injured, they died soon after. Twelve victims were wounded in the attack, some seriously. Another three officers, members of an undercover unit, were eating nearby and sprinted to the scene. One of them told Channel 12, two of my men engaged two terrorists, he said, with his back strategically turned to the camera. I got there a fraction of a second later and saw a terrorist in front of me, 
with a ceramic vest and three magazines, holding an M16 and firing in the direction of the fighters. I neutralised him. Four border policemen were injured in the attack. Chief Shabtai bemoaned the heavy price of losing two very young fighters. He said the two came with such an amount of ammunition that if they had not been taken down at that moment, we would have woken up to a very different morning in the number of those murdered. They planned a much larger killing spree and planned to murder everyone who crossed their path. Ron, a headline that seems to illustrate a significant double standard. Uh, Palestinian leaders condemn Israel terror attacks in English but praise it in Arabic. Uh, what's the story here? Yeah, this this uh, story comes from a good, good friend of mine, Itamar Marcus, from the Palestinian Media Watch. This week, the Palestinian Media Watch exposed the Palestinian Authority the driving force behind the recent wave of eight stabbing attacks since the start of March in Israel. The Palestinian terror climaxed in a horrific attack on Tuesday in which four Israelis were murdered. As reported recently, the PA and Mahmoud Abbas's Fatah have been calling continuously for popular resistance, the Palestinian term for knife and car ramming terror. To show their support for terror, not only didn't the PA condemn any of the previous attacks, it publicised unqualified support for the terrorists and condemned Israel for killing them to stop the attacks. Moreover, official PA TV and the official daily newspaper honoured the terrorist murderer yesterday as Shahid, meaning Islamic martyr. Yet when Palestinian Minister of Civil Affairs Hussein al-Sheikh met with Israeli Minister of Public Security Barlev an hour after Tuesday's attack, he told him he was shocked by the attack. Significantly, his condemnation was only said to the Israeli minister and was not publicised in any Palestinian Arabic media, nor was the murder of four civilians which was ever condemned by any official Palestinian source. Palestinian Media Watch has translated al-Sheikh's condemnation intended for Israeli ears into Arabic for Palestinians to hear and placed it in Hassan al-Sheikh's Twitter feed. Palestinian Media Watch is calling on him to publicly condemn the terror attack in Arabic as well to show that his condemnation is sincere. Uh, let's turn our attention just to the east of Israel. Jordan's King Abdallah is to visit Ramallah to try and ease tension. What's this one? Yeah, Abdullah plans to travel to Ramallah in the West Bank for a meeting with Mahmoud Abbas amid increasing tensions in the West Bank and East Jerusalem ahead of the Muslim holy month of Ramadan. The meeting reportedly said to be imminent is Abdullah's first trip to Ramallah in five years and comes less than a year after increased tension in Jerusalem sparked an 11-day war between Israel and Hamas. That war left some 256 Palestinians dead, including 128 civilians, according to the United Nations, and 13 people were killed in Israel. Palestinian officials blamed the tensions on continued visits by Jewish Israelis to the Al-Aqsa Mosque compound, and they warned that the visits during Ramadan will be like pouring oil on the fire. Mahmoud al-Abbas, Abbas's advisor for religious affairs and Islamic relations, warned earlier in the week against Israeli attempts to implement plans to storm al-Aqsa during the month of Ramadan. 
and the consequences for the security and stability of the region and the world, adding that the occupation knows well that the Blessed Al-Aqsa is the most sensitive in Palestinian geography, and therefore they deliberately create crisis from time to time. Israel Foreign Minister and alternate Prime Minister Yair Lapid met with Jordan's monarch two weeks ago to discuss the issue. We decided that we must act together to quell tensions and promote understanding, mainly ahead of the month of Ramadan and the Passover holiday, a statement from Lapid said. Ramadan starts April 2nd and lasts for 30 days. Passover begins on April 15. Interesting to see the way the headlines cover the Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, where Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, a Jew, has given insight into his family history and once again igniting debate over the Ukrainian Holocaust history. How does this one look? Yeah, President Zelensky's great-grandparents died when the Nazis burned their village, he said in an interview. Speaking through a translator with Farid Zakaria, Zelensky said, as he has many times before, that his grandfather and his grandfather's brothers all entered the Soviet Red Army and only his grandfather survived. He also offered details about what happened to his grandfather's parents that have not been previously reported in English. His father and his mother were killed in a terrible fire. The Nazis set ablaze the entire village where they lived and where my grandfather was born, he said. Zelensky did not name the village, but massacres by fire were part of the Nazi army's playbook in Ukrainian territory and elsewhere. In one well-known case, the village of Koryakovka was burned in 1943 after its residents were shot in retaliation for partisan activity based there. The Jews of Koryakovka had largely been deported and murdered already. Zelensky also did not mention the Holocaust or the fact that his grandparents were Jewish, even as Zakaria asked him to comment on Russian President Putin's denazification agenda as somebody who is of Jewish descent. Instead, he wanted to talk about the war. When Russians are telling about neo-Nazis and they turn to me, I just replied that I have lost my entire family in the war because all of them were exterminated during World War II. Jews from former Soviet Union said Zelensky's way of speaking about his family history was not surprising. Soviet policy after the war was one narrative. The Soviet people suffered greatly. The government would not acknowledge that the Nazis targeted Jews specifically for extermination. They punished Soviet Jews who did not toe the line. Alex Zeldin, who was born in the Soviet Union and goes by Jewish wonk online, wrote in a Twitter thread that has been shared thousands of times. 2,673 Ukrainians have been recognised by Yad Vashem, Israel's Holocaust Memorial and Museum, in their efforts to save Jews. On the world stage, Zelensky seems to be a lonely man. He receives many words of encouragement and support, but what he really reads, needs right now is something more immediately tangible. It is a tragic history, isn't it? Hey, Ron, there is a little glimmer of light coming out of all of this insofar as a Ukrainian refugee and a Christian has won the women's marathon in Jerusalem while her husband fights the Russians at home. What an extraordinary situation. On an unseasonably cold and rainy morning, 
The Jerusalem Winter Marathon kicked off its 11th annual run through the modern and ancient city, and some runners came from the Ukraine. A Ukrainian refugee won the women's marathon draped in Israeli and Ukrainian flags. Valentina Varetska was the first woman to cross the finish line in the full marathon. It's a big day for me, she said. I run for peace. Valentina is a champion marathon runner from Ukraine. Just a month ago, she fled to Poland with her daughter. Her husband stayed behind to fight the Russians. Now she's in Jerusalem with all eyes on her. One of my goals is to show all my country that we fight always. We can do it and we can win. I know it, she told CBN News. About 25,000 runners participated in this year's marathon, half marathon and four other races. At a press conference ahead of the event, Jerusalem Mayor Mosilian welcomed Valentina. I'm so pleased we were able to help you realize your dream to run in Jerusalem. And he said, dear friends, sport unites people. Sport can help with peace. So we're better to run a marathon than the city of peace, the city of Jerusalem. Where else in the world can you run through 3,000 years of history, past so many holy sites, the Tower of David, the old city walls, Sultan's Pool, and past modern landmarks of democracy, the Supreme Court, the President's House, Lyons said. But according to Elon, who ran the 10-kilometer race himself, the running isn't easy. We learned in the Bible, Jerusalem is a city of hills, but you won't have to just read about it. I experienced it today firsthand. As a Christian, Valentina said, it's very special to run in Jerusalem. I feel this place like it's my place, like it's my home. It's strange, really, but I feel power from here. It's not like energy, but it is power. It's the power which pushes me forward, she said. Well, sporting achievements can be an inspiration when there's all sorts of tragedy happening back home and illustrated in that story. Hey, Ron, thank you so much for scouring the headlines, bringing us an update, breaking news out of Israel and the Middle East. Thanks for joining us once again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 